Listen to this story. Jesus taught that our judgment of others should be done only in the way that we ourselves want to be judged. I know that if I'm going, if I'm the one being judged, Dan Kimball says, I want whoever is doing the judging of me to know my full story. I want them to listen to my take on things and consider how I ended up in this situation, why I did what I did. I want them to understand my heart. I mean, if they're going to judge me, I want them to understand my motives. I want them to have compassion when they judge me. I mean, that's how I want to be judged. But that's not usually how we respond. It's far too easy to jump to conclusions. And the bridge church said, because we're all guilty of that. A couple of years after I had become a youth leader in the church, our high school group had grown to the point where we had several hundred teenagers coming to our meetings every week, students from all different backgrounds. I mean, it was really an exciting time for me as many of these students had never attended a church before. But there was this one particular teenager who gave me a lot of trouble. He constantly disrupted our meetings by making jokes and distracting remarks. Uh, He distracted people all around him while I was trying to teach. He would actually throw things at me when I was in front of the group speaking. Say, I'd have to go brave hard on him if he did that. He'd bring in his skateboard, and during the very serious moments of our meeting, he'd stand up and start skating in the back of the room. For the most part, I tried to avoid him. Some nights, I secretly hoped that he wouldn't show up. After all, there were plenty of other students who were not disruptive and who were very respectful. I'd pretty much written this guy off. I mean, based on his behavior, I knew that I didn't want to invest my time in him. One afternoon, I was walking in a section of town near the beach, and I saw this teenager sitting alone on a bench. I figured that he'd do his normal thing and make some sarcastic comment when I walked by, but then I saw that his head was down and something was wrong. As I got closer, I spoke to him, and he looked up at me. That's when I saw that he was crying. I sat down next to him, and he began pouring out his heart to me, telling me how his dad had been arrested and put in jail again. He shared that his father had often been in and out of jail, and that each time this happened, he had to go stay with his aunt in her home, a woman who really didn't like him all that much and certainly didn't want him in her home. When he stayed with her, he had to sleep on the sofa, And because she was often gone, he had to find his own meals. After learning that his dad had been arrested again, he had come to the beach not wanting to go back to this aunt's house. I sat there feeling horrible and ashamed because I had judged him. First, I felt sad for this young man, thinking of all that was going through his mind um, And all that he was going through because of what his father had done, I couldn't imagine what it was like to have a father in and out of jail and having to live with someone else each time it happened. And then I felt ashamed for myself. Because I had judged him based on his behavior in our meetings, but I had never considered why he was acting that way. 
He never said anything to anyone in the youth group, so we didn't know his story. I'd never tried to get to know him or consider things from his point of view. Now sitting next to him, I saw not just a troublemaker, but a hurting young man reacting to an extremely difficult situation in his life. I saw a young man facing life on his own, not knowing where to turn for help. That day, God taught me a frightening lesson. It is way too easy to become a citizen of church land, even when you've, re we, even when you've spent most of your time living outside it. See, I knew what it felt like to be judged by other Christians. And yet here I was doing the very thing I hated. I had gone from being the judged one to being the judgmental one. I won't forget that moment. It shocked me down to my bones that it was so easy to turn into everything that I actually hated. C.S. Lewis, many of you have been reading his writings for some time. Some of you may be new in your walk with the Lord, and maybe C.S. Lewis' writings are new to you. I would encourage you to read them. In his book, Mere Christianity, here's what C.S. Lewis said. This year, or this month, or more likely this very day, we have failed to practice ourselves the kind of behavior we expect from other people. Another quote that comes to us, and this one is from an unknown source. I couldn't find out who said this, but I loved it, so I wanted to include it today. He said, look at yourself first before you judge others, and once you know that everything about you is perfect, then go ahead and start judging others. Chances are that day is not going to come. Be the first to say that you're not perfect. Not even you. Look at yourself when? First. Look around yourself first before jumping the fence to judge others. Let God be the judge. And then Mother Teresa said, and I love this little sentence, she said, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. What a statement. So, this whole teaching on not judging comes from a very, ser a very famous sermon that Jesus preached called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 through 7. And in this sermon, Jesus touches on all of the areas of a believer's life related to living within the kingdom. So let's walk through uh, some of these things. First of all, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus began with the perspective on ourself. How we ought to have the proper perspective on ourself in the Beatitudes. Then in this sermon, he talked about our perspective on the world when he talked about being salt and light to the world. The third thing Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount was our perspective of the Word. He talked about the law of God. He talked about the fact that it is undeniable and it is unchanging, the Word of God. 
Then he taught us, number four, on our pers- what our perspective should be on morality, on moral law and holiness as he discussed the fact that we are to have an internal holiness as well as an external holiness. He then talked about our religious activity, the things we do because we love God. He talked about three particular things. Giving, Jesus talked about giving, and and it's really interesting in that teaching because he assumes if you're one of his followers, you're going to be a giver. And the people said, giving... And praying, he assumed you would be a person who gave, you would be a person who prayed, and then he assumed that you would be a person who fasts, fasting. And I've done a series on fasting, and you can certainly go and listen to that online anytime you wish. And then number six, he discussed a proper perspective of money and a proper perspective of possessions. But what we're going to talk about comes to the seventh part. Of his message. And in the seventh part of Jesus' message called the Sermon on the Mount, he deals with our relationship to other people. Jesus' perspective in his Sermon on the Mount was given in direct contrast to what the religious establishment of that day was teaching. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount that his perspective, what he taught, was in direct contrast to what the religious establishment of his day was saying. In other words, what the scribes were saying and what the Pharisees were saying, and they were the most religious people uh, back in that day and very influential, what Jesus taught was in direct contrast to what they were teaching. Again, Pharisees were the religious influencers of the time and against the background of their warped perspective of what it was to be a Christian, Jesus presented the truth. So let's look at some of the differences that the Pharisees had with Jesus, their teaching had with the teaching of Jesus. The Pharisees' view of life was based on pride, pride. Jesus in the Beatitudes taught us that our life was to not be based on pride, but to be based on humility. So Jesus was opposite. The Pharisees were part of the system. Jesus said that we were, be, we were to be salt and light to the system. The Pharisees had denied the word of God and established their own truth, Jesus reestablished and reaffirmed the word of God as truth. The Pharisees believed in external holiness. The Pharisees believed it was what was on the outside that counted. Jesus came along and talked to them about internal morality, internal purity, internal holiness. The Pharisees acted out their religious activities of giving and praying and fasting. They did it in a hypocritical way. They did it in a superficial way. They did it in a very prideful way. Jesus came along and said, you ought to do these things from the heart. And you ought to do them because you love God. How powerful is that? You ought to give because you love God. You ought to pray because you love God. You ought to fast because you love God. The Pharisees did all those things so people would see them. 
The Pharisees were preoccupied with money and possessions always. Jesus essentially came along and said, you're not to be preoccupied with these things. You're to be preoccupied with the kingdom of God. The Pharisees were involved in wrongful human relationships. Here's what the Pharisees, and I want you to get this because we see a lot of this in our day. The Pharisees sought to rule. The Pharisees sought to control. How many of y'all know religion is often about control? Religious activities are often about control. They were about rule. They were about control. The Pharisees were about manipulating people with their legalistic Laws, And if you've never heard that terminology before, legalism simply means rules that are made up, that have no biblical basis, but those rules are established in churches to control people and to rule over people. Jesus said no to that. These Pharisees gave many false teachings, things they had made up. And we look back on that time and we say, how in the world could that happen? Hey, don't get too judgmental. It's all in the church today too. Rules and and lines and, and circles we've drawn and things we've said to people and taught people that has no biblical foundation. Jesus revealed the inadequacy of human religion and reaffirmed the fact that true religion comes from a personal relationship with God. You see, one of the things um, that people kind of urge me to do once in a while is get up here and name different sins. And sometimes we do that and we call out the names of sins and things that are wrong. We'll actually do that some in this sermon uh, series because we're going to deal with this whole thing where we're hearing from the world, don't judge, don't judge. Every time you stand up and preach the truth, you hear from the world, don't judge, don't judge. Well, there's a right way of judging and a wrong way of judging. And Jesus tells us the right way of judging, and that's what we'll focus on after today. But I want to show you how messed up these Pharisees were. Because in our churches, if we're not careful, in order to get people to do what we want them to do, we begin to make up laws and make up rules so we can manipulate them to do what we want them to do. And Jesus hated that. He hated that, and often, uh, as I was saying, people will come up to me and say, you need to preach on, you need to say, you need to just call it out. You, just, you know what we talk about here? You know what we talk about most here? You being right with God. If you are right with God, the pastor don't have to stand up here every week and name all the sins. Are y'all with me out there? If you're right with God, he's nailing you on those every time you do them. If you want to create a legalistic church, you have a church where the pastor gets up every week and he's got to call people out for all the sins they've committed all week long. Here's what we focus on at the bridge. Get your heart right with God. Walk in intimacy with God. Develop your prayer life. Develop your Bible life. Develop your daily walk with God. And let me tell you, brother, let me tell you, dear sister, when you step out of bounds, he will blow the whistle on you. And it's a lot more powerful than when I blow the whistle on you. 
Certainly we need strong preaching. We need clear preaching. But see, when you just obey God because there's the, all these rules, all these rules, and you get up every morning and you go, I've got to do the rules. I've got to do the do's and don't do the don'ts. Man, maybe I need to write those down. Don't do, don't, don't, don't. Do, 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 do. You know, all the rules, all the rules, all the commands. Write them all down. Listen, the Bible says that through Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, you receive him into you, the living word of God. And when you walk in intimacy with him and you step across that line, he's just like a referee in a basketball game. He will blow the whistle on you. Amen, amen. Anybody have that happen in their life? He will call a foul on you, won't he? So in the text that I'm about to read in Matthew 7, we're going to read the text here coming up in just a minute. Jesus, is, Jesus has just said in closing, but he meant it when he said it. So he's summing up his message. He's come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 reveals uh, this last contrast between Jesus and the Pharisees, and it's on the topic of human relations. Now, at this point, when Jesus says this, you've got to understand that these Pharisees were so proud, so arrogant, so self-righteous, so smug, so convinced of their own superiority over others that one of the natural results of feeling like that about yourself is that you become totally condemning and judgmental of everybody else. I just said something really good right there, and I hope you got it. They had gotten prideful. Because they were so sure of their own self-righteousness, they became judgmental. They became critical. They became condemning. So let's look in the Bible. Let's look at the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Everybody ready? Give me an amen out there. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. That's sort of that uh, you reap what you sow kind of stuff, isn't it? For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log... <laughs> It's almost, you know, Jesus uses a, a humorous illustration here. You're talking about a little speck in your brother's eye, and you've got a beam sticking out of your eye. He says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? Then Jesus kind of subtle, you know, makes it subtle where you really don't know what he's talking about. You hypocrite. <laughs> Evidently, it wasn't preacher voting time right along then. I don't think that would have mattered to Jesus. You hypocrite. I love the next word. You hypocrite. What? So why are we preaching this today? Why are we talking about judging yourself today? Because Jesus said, before you can judge right, 
Before you can look at somebody else and judge correctly, you've got to start with yourself. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and we'll explain that later in the series. And do not throw your pearls to the swine, to the pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And again, we'll get into that a little later in this series. This is a portion of Scripture that is frequently referred to and often misquoted, especially verse 1 where it said, Judge not. Y'all hear that a lot these days? You know, you'll say, you know, that's just not right. And what do people say? Judge not, judge not. You're not supposed to judge. The problem with people who quote this scripture is that most of the time their quote, the one quoting it has not really put it all together the way Christ was teaching it. So they don't have the true and full meaning as the Lord intended. And that's what this sermon series is about is about any time a person invents their own system of morality, this is very important, any time a person invents their own system of morality, they become the judge. They become the judge that sits on the throne of that system. Any time a person invents their own system of morality, they appoint themselves as the one who determines whether anybody else qualifies for their group or not. Anytime a person invents their own system of morality, they become judge, jury, senator, and that's what all of this is about, and it's exactly what happened with these Pharisees. The result was that they had become oppressively judgmental of other people. Now, I want you to listen to this. It's really important that we lay this foundation today for the rest of the series. These Pharisees condemned every time they opened their mouth. Now, as I'm preaching this, I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Amen? You say, what about you? i got to tell you, man, I've been working on this sermon about two months. He has worked me over. You don't have to worry about that. And, and he is presently working me over. But they condemned every time they opened their mouth. They criticized every time they opened their mouth. And they were very stern. Very stern. They were unmerciful. These are the religious leaders. They were unmerciful. They were unforgiving. They were unkind. They were lacking in grace. And they were constantly nitpicking and criticizing everybody who didn't come up to the standards of the system they had created. Not a Bible system, not a God system, but a system they created. Jesus said to them in John 7, 24, look at Jesus. Boy, he don't mess around, does he? Don't be nitpickers. Don't be nitpickers. Everybody say, dear Lord, help me not to be a nitpicker. Use your head and heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically 
right. And then in Luke, Luke 16, 14 through 15, Luke went on to tell us when the Pharisees, and then he describes the Pharisees, a money-obsessed bunch, heard him say these things, they rolled their eyes. Let me ask you something. When I read that right there, I thought, boy, does that sound like the way people look at Christians in our modern day? They rolled their eyes, dismissing him as what? <laughs> Isn't that what they say about us? We're so out of touch. Get with it, man. Hopelessly out of touch. So Jesus spoke to them. You are masters at making yourselves look good in front of others, but God knows what's going on behind the appearance. I can just see them bristle at the words of Jesus. Jesus was saying, you think you got all the answers, don't you? Jesus was saying, you think you've got the system. You think you're the judges, but you're wrong. The point is that the Pharisees' system of judging was the opposite of God's way of judging. Please understand that. You say, Pastor, but, but they, they love the Old Testament. They I understand that. But they added to the Old Testament. And they took away from the Old Testament the things they did not want to hear and added to it the things that they wanted to create for themselves so they could manipulate the people. I'm telling you guys, it happened 2,000 years ago, but it's happening right now. And we need to be aware of it in this church. Amen, amen? Because we don't want that spirit in this church. So Luke 18 and, uh, uh, tells us about uh, Jesus using a parable to point out the sins of the Pharisee and to point out the attitude of the Pharisee. And he talks about how the Pharisee and the tax collector went into the temple to pray. The Bible says, and Jesus spoke this parable unto them. He was talking to Pharisees. I love the description Luke puts here. And Jesus spoke this parable unto, unto certain who trusted in who? Themselves that they were righteous and See, when you think you're righteous, it makes you judge everybody else. When you're walking around in your self-righteousness, it makes you critical. It makes you condemning. It makes you judgmental of everybody else. And Jesus said that because Pharisees had their own standard that they had created. And because that standard came out of their pride, and because of that standard they had created in the religious system of that day, came out of their egotistical minds, they looked down on and despised and hated everybody that was not one of them. Pharisees viewed tax collectors as the most wretched, rotten, vile people in human society. And back in that day, most tax collectors were not very good people. Tax collectors back in that day, hmm, that's kind of like today too. Let me just move on. Tax collectors were viewed as traitors among the Jewish people because they had aligned themselves with the Romans. They were Jews, but they had aligned themselves with the Romans and were collecting collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire, and they used their position to rip off the Jewish population in doing it. So in this parable, these two men went into the temple to pray, and the Bible goes on and says, and the Pharisees, excuse me,
And the Pharisee stood, I love this, and the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, and here's what he said, God, God, I thank you that I am not as other men. Man, I gotta tell you, if, I, if I'm ever in this altar and I hear somebody pray like this, I'm running because I'm allergic to lightning. God, I thank you that I am not as other men. You know, God, the kind I'm talking about, extortionist. See, the tax collector was there in the altar praying too. You know, God, I'm glad I'm not like these other men, unjust, adulterers. And God, you know what? I'm glad I'm not especially like this tax collector. I mean, that's how the dude prayed out loud in the temple. The Bible says that he prayed with himself. <laughs> this Pharisee was not interested in associating with anybody because there was no one who came up to his level. So he moved away from the tax collector, and not only him, but he moved away from everybody else and stood alone and apart from everybody else to demonstrate his self-righteousness. Talked about how he was thankful he wasn't a tax collector. I, twi I, I fast twice a week, or, uh, and I give of my tithes, and I'm a man of prayer, and the tax collector, he's over here in the corner, and he's beating on his chest. The Bible says. You know what he's saying to God? He's saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said about that, the tax collector went home justified and not the Pharisee. Jesus didn't pull any punches. He used this parable to tell the Pharisees that they were making wrong judgments, but their judgments were not just wrong, but detrimental, were, were crushing people. Jesus uh, was telling them that the thing that marked their relationship with others was not love and grace and mercy, but it was judgmentalism and criticism and condemning. These characteristics of the Pharisees, you know what it revealed? You know what it showed? It revealed that they didn't even have a relationship with God. It revealed that they did not even know the God that they claimed to be representing to everybody. I want to say something right here, and I want to be very careful because I'm not here to plant doubt in your mind today. But can I tell you that you're not going to go to heaven because grandma was a Christian? And you're not going to go to heaven when you die because your mom and dad were Christians. God's got children. God ain't got no grandchildren. That's bad English, but good preaching. And there are people who think that they don't need to bow before Jesus and humble themselves before Jesus and admit their sin and ask him to come and redeem their life because they think somehow they are going to walk in the righteousness of someone else. I want you to hear me today. I want, you, I want to say something today, and I want to be very careful how I say this because I'm not here to bring confusion, and I'm not here to bring doubt, but there are a lot of people sitting in a lot of churches today who think they're ready to meet God, and they're not ready. 
Because there hasn't been honest, open, sincere admission of who they are, a person separated from God by sin. They think because they do this and because they do this and because they do this and they look at other people and those people don't do that and don't do that and, and they compare themselves and they weigh their righteousness against other people and they think, I'm surely going to heaven because my righteousness is more than other people. Listen, when you do that, you're being a Pharisee. You are made right with God only through the love of Jesus Christ, only through the precious blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary, only through his resurrection from the grave. We know this is true because the man hanging beside him on the cross that day was redeemed and Jesus said, you'll see me in heaven today. And that guy had known Jesus Christ for every bit of five minutes because it's not our goodness, it's not our righteousness, it's not our works. You say, but shouldn't we live good and shouldn't we live right and shouldn't we live pure lives? Yes, but it comes out of a relationship with Jesus. It comes out of your walk with God. It comes out of an empowerment from God that you walk righteous and you walk holy. It's not by your, by your willpower. So the Bible says that these men, these Pharisees, the way they talked, the way they manifested, the Bible says these men didn't even know the God they were talking about. Judgmental. Jesus was pointing out to them that a true follower of God could not be that kind of person condemning, could not be that kind of person unmerciful. Jesus was pointing out to them the tax collector went home ready to go to heaven. The Pharisee went home that day. He had also prayed in the altar, but he was not ready to go to heaven. He was not justified. Jesus said people who condemn, people who are unmerciful, people who are, uh, lack grace, people who are always criticizing, always uh, uh, putting others under the microscope and never looking honestly at themselves. Jesus said, these people are not followers of me. And he made it clear. And he spoke it through this powerful parable. So let me just close with this. So Jesus says, and I'm going to put my name there. I'm not going to put your name there. You got to put your name there. So Jesus says, Farrell Hardison, Farrell Hardison, I want you you're going to have to judge some things. But there's a right way, Pharaoh, for you to judge, and there's a wrong way for you to judge. And the right way for you to judge, the first thing you've got to do is begin with you. You've got to begin with you. And so let's make this very practical today. You're sitting out there, you know, I'm thinking, I was sitting uh, yesterday putting the final touches on this message, thinking how practically do I judge me? I mean, how do I judge me? How do I judge myself? And here's how you do it. First of all, you have to focus on your relationship with God. Listen, if you're not following God in intimacy, then God can't bring correction in your life and God can't teach you. That's how these Pharisees got in the mess they got into. They didn't even know God. They just knew some Bible. You ever run into somebody who knows four or five little verses and they just keep quoting those over and over to make you think they know a whole lot about the Bible? 
I run into people like that all the time, trying to be intimidating and, and all of that and trying to prove their spirituality to you and, and show you what a great Christian they are. And, and Jesus is coming and saying to us, he's saying, Pharaoh Hardison, if you want to judge correctly, because how many of y'all know there are some things that are wrong and there are some things that are right? And you know that in this world today, they want to mix everything together and make it all gray. Isn't that right? So then, so then we get caught up in that whole thing when they look at us and go, oh, you can't judge. Jesus said. So what I'm here to do is I'm here to tear that up today because Jesus tore that up. There is a right way to judge. There is a right way to know right from wrong. And that judging begins with you first looking in the spiritual mirror. James said that the Word of God is a mirror. And we look in that mirror not to find things in there to get somebody else. But we look in the mirror of God's word so that we might see our own reflection there. You know, when you walk in intimacy with Jesus, he cleans out the dross in your life. You say, what in the world does that mean? The filth, the impurities. See, when you walk in intimacy with Jesus, when you make sure that you're having your time with him, when you make sure that you're turning off that computer and turning off that television and turning off all of the distractions of the world and you're spending time with God and you're sincerely saying, God, I want to walk in intimacy with you, that is the greatest thing you can do to be the right kind of judge. That is the greatest thing you can do to be able to judge rightly and judge correctly because the closer you walk to him, walk in him, the more he will empower you to walk in true righteousness, biblical righteousness, and the more he will bring revelation into your life of those things that are in you that shouldn't be in you. Amen, amen. Did you hear what Pastor Andy prayed this morning? Did you listen to his prayer? He said, Father, if there's anything in my life that is not like you, See, that's what walking in Jesus does. When you're walking in him, he is able to bring that correction. He's able to bring that teaching. Not only is he the convictor of our sin, he's also the teacher. He's also the one who teaches us. He's also the one who helps us mature. He's also the one who helps us grow up so that we don't get caught up in these wrong, judgmental attitudes. That's why... The pastor in the original story that I read to you became judgmental. He had forgotten what the Word of God says. So first of all, God says, Pharaoh Hardison, if you're going to judge rightly, if you're going to judge correctly, you've got to walk in intimacy with Christ. You've got to walk in intimacy with me, and you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to your heart when you step out of bounds. And another way that we can check ourselves is by, and this is tough, this is tough, this is tough, is by letting other people speak into our life. I'm hearing more and more about groups that are forming, groups with our men. I'm happy to hear about this. I'm hearing something called Man of God Mondays. Any of our, those men of God here today? All right, they must come to the second service. But this is a group that is formed to hold one another accountable. 
That's why life groups are so important. That's why we did a three-part series on life groups. That's why it's so important for you to have not just a group of people that you're able to share with who speak into your life, but really pray that God will give you one person. It may be your spouse. It may be your spouse. You say, oh, she's speaking into my life. You know, for guys, if possible, and you can find another guy who wants that kind of walk with God that you want, then maybe you guys could hook up and meet weekly and just talk to each other. And when you falter and when you fail, you admit that to him, and he knows how to pray for you. When he falters and he fails, he admits that to you. And also, you're able to speak into other, each other's life and say, I'm seeing something I'm a little bit concerned about in you. I love you. I love you. I know what your desire is. I know what you want to be. I know the kind of man of God you want to be. And so I just want to tell you that I'm praying for you in this area because I know the enemy. You remember when Jesus told Peter, he said, the enemy desires to have you. Sometimes I can look at my friends and know the enemy's after them. And if I love them enough and they know I love them, I can speak that into their heart. And, and I've done that. I've done that recently. And I've had it spoken into my life recently. You know, pastor, be careful. Farrell, you're my buddy, man. Be careful. Be careful in that area. So how do we judge ourselves? We judge ourselves first by spending quiet time with God and his word and getting close to him so the Holy Spirit has a chance to talk to us. We are so busy. We are so distracted. We got so many things going on around us. We don't have any quiet time with God to allow him to speak into our life. And so we kind of have taken that out of his hands and said, I, I'm running things, God. You know, if I need you, I'll let you know. And, and the next thing we know, we find ourselves in a pit. We've fallen in a pit because we weren't listening. We weren't talking to God. We weren't spending that time with God. So, so that's first. And then that accountability friend. And pray. You say, I don't have that person. Begin to pray for that. You know you got Jesus. You know you got that friend. So begin to pray to him in your quiet time and say, God, give me a friend. Give me somebody who can speak into my life and who will allow me to speak into their life. Accountability in the body of Christ. So important. So let's put up the reference, Matthew uh, chapter 7. Verses 1 through 6, I want you guys to study that. I want you guys to look at that. And next week, we're going to get deeper into this thing about judging. You know, there are a lot of issues in our day, and I'm going to touch on those things. I get messages, emails, phone calls all the time because now, you know, um, same-sex marriage and homosexuality and people living together, uh, man and woman living together uh, outside of marriage, uh, 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 living together and having sexual relations, and they're not married. And, and because of the permissiveness of our society and all that's going on around us, um, you know, we've, we've decided and come to our own conclusion that maybe that used to be a sin back in the old days, but God doesn't frown on that anymore because, you know, God understands for financial reasons and uh, other reasons, you know, that I have to live with somebody. And so then when you speak to somebody about that out of love because you don't want them to be separated from God. See, you know sin separates people from God. So you come to somebody in love and say, listen, man, I know you tell me you're a Christian, but you're living that way. And I just want to I just want to tell you that that separates you from the hand of God working in your life the way he wants to. And what do they say? They quote that verse. And they look at Pastor Farrell and they say, hey, Pastor Farrell, 
You say, Pastor, they say that to you? Oh, yeah. You know, Pastor Farrell, don't remember, don't, don't forget what Jesus said. And what did they say? Two words. Judge not. Judge not. But you see, there's a right judgment. There's a right judgment. See, when you look at an apple tree and you go, that's an apple tree because it has apples hanging on it, you are not being judgmental, but you are making a judgment. You know, if this philosophy that's creeping into the church were to creep into our court systems, which it actually has uh, to some degree, you could have people come into a courtroom and go, well, you know, I just think you're being judgmental, judge. And he'd go, oh, gee whiz, I guess I am being judgmental. Who am I to judge you? Go, be free. Can y'all, rem- can y'all imagine the chaos in the world today if everybody just looked at the laws of our land and said, well, I can't enforce those laws. That's being judgmental. Y'all with me out there? Yet we look at God's laws, who are so much more important than any man-made law, and we look at people and go, well, maybe those laws were for another time, but they're not for our day. And so I guess I don't need to talk about that, and I don't need to hold people accountable there because I don't want to be judgmental. See how messed up that is? And can I tell you that that's why we see a lot of the chaos in our churches that we see? That's why we see a lot of the mess going on in the church that we see because there's not a standard anymore. A standard that used to be solid is now kind of mushy. Am I preaching up here? And so, and so we decide, you know, well, I can make up my, own, my mind on that and I can do what I want to on that. But see, we got to look at what God said. Because he, you say, oh, oh you, you, so you're going to start preaching, you know, harsh. And, here's what I want for you. I want God's hand on you. I want God's hand on your life. I want God's hand on your career. I want God's hand on your marriage. I want God's hand on your finances. Most of all, I want God's hand on you so he can walk you through life. I want God's hand on you. I want you blessed. I want you blessed, and I want you getting the best and enjoying the best. Well, if I stand up here and preach some namby-pamby, I don't even know what that means, but if I preach some kind of, some kind of uh, lace-on-your-drawers sermon, I know what that means. If I get up there, if I get up here and preach, if, and preach like that, some little mushy, sweet, sugar-coated stuff and kind of leave it for you to think, well, I can just go out here and make up my own mind about that. You know what I just did? I just put you in danger of God taking his hand off your life. So there's a right judgment. When Jesus said judge not, he was looking at those Pharisees. They weren't right with him and they weren't walking with him. And he said, you don't need to judge. You don't need to judge. But there's a right judgment. And we'll talk about that. Amen?